News, you are about to listen to a great podcast interview with Dr. Dominique Klupp. She joined me for a great interview, and we covered a really, just a huge range of topics. Uh, but before we dive into the podcast episode, I want to give you um, an idea that Dominique introduced while we were talking, and that's take the best and leave the rest, okay? I think this is a, a great one, and obviously I used it in the title, and I really want you to to head into the podcast and all the rest of the episodes that you listen to from now on with that, that, you know, really listen to this and pick up those things that you can take away and put into use in your own life or your own business, uh, and then leave the rest, you know, some things won't apply and don't, don't worry about, you know, taking everything and then you got to put it to work. So take what you can put it to work and make it really work for you. So I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. And without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. I'm Adam Moody, and today I'm talking with Dr. Dominique Klupp about her background in academia, being a professor, the transition to coaching, and what she's learned along the way. So we're definitely going to be covering some areas that can help you, so stay tuned. And with that, let's get going. Welcome, Dominique. Hi, Adam. Well, you know what? I always like to start with a little bit of a background. Um, instead of people hearing it from me, I figure I'll turn it over to you. You know yourself the best. So if you don't mind, could you tell us a little bit about yourself just in terms of your background, your education, uh, just anything as much or as little as you feel comfortable sharing just to get everyone on the same page where you're coming from? Sure thing. And you know, when you ask someone about their background and their education, there's always so much people can share. And so I'm going to try and frame this in a way where I think your audience members might resonate because I know for several of us who transitioned, like you mentioned in the intro, to some to becoming an online entrepreneur, I certainly, you know, didn't wake up like as a child and say, Oh my gosh, I want to be an online entrepreneur. <laughs> and so <laughs> most of my adult career was in higher education. For eleven and a half years I was a professor and university university administrator. My background is, you know, English undergrad and history and um, uh, English and history, and then, you know, got an MFA in writing and sort of got a calling when I was working in prisons with inmates, uh, in particular women inmates, to go and study education. And so went on to get two degrees from Harvard, a second master's, and then my doctorate. And so I, when I was working in academia, was looking at lots of high achievers who were taking life as if it was just one long running paragraph that had no punctuation break. And I became fascinated with helping my colleagues. And so now I started running a coaching business where I help high achievers outperform at home, at work, in the world. But really what I like to say I do is I help people fall in love with their lives because I was watching so many people who were kind of struggling with doing something that they may have thought was uh, what they were intended to do and may have loved avenues and aspects of it, but then wanted to make a break for it like I did. And I think a lot of people who go on to become online entrepreneurs are similar in that vein in that they at some point have taken a, a break and made a break for it. And so that's kind of the the part of my background and, and education that I think your audience listeners might resonate with. Definitely. And oh man, there's so many subtopics I want to get into. But the first one I think that's interesting is, you know, you're talking about helping people, um, you know, push people to where they want to live the life they love, how they can get there and break away. How, how did you 
experienced that yourself? Was that something you did on your own? No, (laughs) I absolutely hired a coach. That was how I was able to master the psychology around the essential self-work I felt I was doing because one of my biggest pieces of resistance as I made the jump and this leap into not just having my own business, but moving into having an online business was I really needed to master my psychology. And I had in my head, like, what am I going to tell people at cocktail parties that I do if I'm not saying that I'm a professor or that I'm running this university center or, you know, involved in this project and doing this particular research. And so I actually... um, worked with more than one coach over over the last decade. I've had several of them. And just like I would advocate if someone wants to become trained or highly skilled in something, I would say, go, you know, get educated about it. And so it's the same thing with my life. I wanted to be able to outperform in several areas of my life. And, you know, there are lots of things that you can do to help you with that, you know, reading and writing, but also being able to work in tandem with a trained individual who can help you to see your blind spots. And so for me, one of the best investments I made in myself early on, before I even really knew what I was doing, I didn't really know like, oh, I'm going to be getting help from a coach. And then that's going to help me transition into the the work that I ended up ultimately choosing. I say it took me a little while, but I finally figured out what I wanted to do with my life and figured out who I wanted to be when I grew up. That's interesting. And, you know, you mentioned a phrase there that I really like, and, you know, you call it investing in yourself. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's not something actually, I don't think I've talked to anyone too much about this on any of the podcast episodes. Uh, And in my other uh, business, that's something we really talk to people about, about getting to be part of these groups or finding someone who's where you want to be or a few steps beyond that and not looking at it as, oh my gosh, this person wants, you know, a thousand dollars or they want a hundred dollars an hour for this. It's that you need to look, change your complete mindset and say, I'm investing in myself. You know, the idea is the ROI uh, will be there and I'm going towards this with obviously you feel the same way but is that something that you that you highly advocate not just coaches but you know uh, maybe masterminds or um, finding people along the same path as yourself just further along I do. And I think I'm really fortunate in that anything that I've ever invested in, and I can remember early on in my business, my accountant saying, you invest in two things. One was first class travel, because that was a promise I'd made to myself when I used to travel every other week and was sitting in middle seat, you know, coach economy. But I really wanted a first class lifestyle. And I, I don't mean it in a like privileged elitist way. I mean it in the the metaphorical sense of what that value brings. And that includes the other thing my accountants noticed was that my own professional development and continuing education, I was investing quite a bit of money in that. And when I was saying I'm lucky, what I mean by that is every time I purchase either a course, a group coaching, or invest in one-on-one coaching, or I've even done mastermind work, I always, within three weeks, make back my investment, either through monetary gains or through value gains. Because sometimes what people need to also understand, and this helps with the mindset shifts, is what you're getting back is value. So sometimes I'll have Uh, And especially when I'm working with my own clients who are online entrepreneurs and those who are moving from selling services to products for the first time. And I'll say, you know what? You ain't cheap, but you're a great value. 
And people will start seeing value show up where it's like, oh, all of a sudden this thing that I thought I was going to have to pay for, I kind of get to do, I get to experience. So I thought I was going to have to, you know, go see the speaker. And it's all of a sudden my friend says, I have a ticket. And, you know, it's the coaching or it's the group work. It's being um, connected to other people in those networks, in those courses that suddenly things start opening up for you. And so, yes, I am an advocate for investing in continuing education, investing in coaching, investing in masterminds. I mean, I was a professor of adult ed. So anything around teaching, learning, yes, I <laughs> advocate for it. And that does mean spending money. Yeah. If you want a higher ed degree, like a, a degree in higher education, you spend the money on it or you get scholarships or grants. You make a way, you find a way to make it happen. Sure. sure. And like you said, it's not just about money too. You're you're getting paid back in, in different ways. And the investment can be different yes. too, right? You either have time or money. Um, and I realize there's more yes. than that. But yeah, like the network, um, I, that's something I neglected earlier in my life. And, you know, I certainly had friends and, and met people, but I never understood or fully, I guess, grasped that concept of, you know, having this network and not, again, just in this way of only knowing people just so you could further yourself, but so you can reach out so you could be a part of a group and that, you know, helping other people and you just never know when that's going to come along. And it's just been hugely helpful for me over the last few years. And, and you know, also combining that with investing in courses and things like that. So I'm, I'm really glad you brought mm-hmm. this up because this is something I really like to tell people about that, you know, kind of changing that mindset to seeing how can I invest myself is really going to make a big difference for you. Yeah, I mean, you're optimizing your environment. So when you put people around yourself and surround people around yourself who can like, because life is about growing ourselves up, right? And we do that in relationship to other people. And so it allows us to think of what kind of environment am I going to flourish and thrive in? And for many of us, that's a transition, like we've made some transition. So maybe we were working in a corporate office, or maybe we were teaching in a classroom. And now we're trying to run a business and we're doing it through avenues that are enhancing our skills and growing our skills, but some are skills that we don't yet possess. And those include not just tangible, like I know how to use this app or I know how to you know, run this program, but it's also about behaviors. Suddenly you surround yourself with people who allow yourself to change your behaviors. I mean, I, there's that great David Allen quote where he said, you need no new skills to increase your productivity, just a new set of behaviors about when and where to apply them. And that's something that you get through groups. And that's something that you get when you're working in optimized environments. Definitely. And I was having a little technical issue. Sometimes it's harder to click the unmute button than I thought. Um, I wanted to circle back. I had this, uh, that's what it was. Just uh, Dan Sullivan, the founder of Strategic Coach. um, I saw an email, somebody had mentioned him in there and was talking about the uh, getting paid in different ways. And, you know, does it somehow enhance me? Um, are they utilizing me? Do they appreciate me? Do they refer me? And then does it pay me more money? And saying, you know, you need to arrange those things somehow uh, that makes sense. But getting paid in monetary gains isn't the only thing. Although I think, you know, you'd agree we have to pay the bills. But beyond that, there's a lot of ways to get paid back. Yeah. And I mean, I think one of the things that's helpful. So for instance, I had someone who uh, recently came to me And she is moving into the space of entrepreneurship for herself. And one of the things that she was noticing was now she's getting tagged to do lots of speaking engagements that she hadn't been before. And she was noticing that it was kind of getting into her time to actually do content development for her business. And so I said, well, what's your policies? Like, what policies do you have in place for saying yes or no to speaking engagements? And she's like, 
well, what do you mean? I just, I say yes to everything. And, you know, cause we were told sometimes we need to say yes to everything and every opportunity. And I said, well, the great thing about that is if you put something in place where you say, you know, I do five speaking events a year that are pro bono. And these are my things that I'm interested in. I'm interested, you know, in animal rights or women's rights or children's rights. And then when you get to your five for that year, you say to the person, thank you very much. I've booked out my policy for five this year, but how about we book next year? And then that way you don't feel as if you're getting taken advantage of. And you're also getting to still prioritize if monetizing your business and, and making money um, matters to pay the lights, <laughs> then you're not feeling like you're one's at a disadvantage of another. Both can coexist. It can be a yes and situation. That's good. I like that because something um, I think we hear a lot and I, I certainly subscribe to and I think you would agree too, but saying no is really important, but that lets you you say no without uh, saying no. Like you said, what were you saying? The yes and? Um. Yes and, yeah. I always like to tell, I like to coach my clients, there's actually no such thing as no. <laughs> it's either yes, not right now, or something better. Gotcha. Gotcha. Maybe I'll get there someday. I think. And that allows people to set up healthy boundaries for themselves as well. Yeah. I think it helps, yeah, in a lot of ways. I'll have to really think about that. I haven't come across that. I've, I've been working on saying no uh, for a long time. So now it may be time to say a little bit more of yes or yes and. Yeah. Yes. And, or just not right now, something better. Like I'll often tell people who uh, approach me for something that the timing isn't right. It's not a great fit in terms of time, but it might be a great fit in terms of like content or even de personal development for myself. And then that can be the, I bet you we'll find ways to work together in the future and it'll be a something better. Good deal. I like that. <laughs> Well, I'm going to circle it around a little bit. Um, so we started talking. Uh, I definitely just wanted to, to dive off there a little bit and, and talk about that. But going back to, um, you know, your past experiences, have you had any formal, what you would call formal training in uh, productivity or organizational skills? Or is this uh, a type of thing that you picked up on your own? Um, I actually have had formal training. I've had formal, informal, and then what I would also refer to as incidental learning around productivity. One of my first coaches who I worked with, she is actually trademarked as the PhD of productivity. And I have also gotten a tremendous amount of value from David Allen's getting things done method. And so I also am co-directed at my university for, gosh, four or five years, I co-directed a program called Promoting Outstanding Writing for Excellence in Research, Power. And that's a writing productivity program for academics. And that is all about productivity. So I know I've listened to several of your podcasts and I would definitely tell your audience to go back and listen to them because people share some great stories about how they have learned mm -hmm. their productivity skills through doing. And I'm someone who's learned through doing, through formal and informal. And so I have certainly learned systems that I get to share with clients and then systems that I get to um, obviously implement and try out with myself. And that's one of the things that, uh, you know, I find that when you are looking for things to develop yourself, all of a sudden things that you didn't know and weren't aware of will show up. And so for me, when I became interested in even things like how do I deal with 
you know, better organizing at one point in the university, I had all of this giant student work, you know, like people would turn in projects and I felt like, oh, I have, this was their baby. They worked on it for a full semester. I must hold on to this. And so knowing, learning and finding a, you know, a course that actually helped me figure out how to just kind of organize other people's work that was coming my way was helpful. And I don't think I would have looked for that if I hadn't have been struggling with that particular problem. But then it led me to a whole different system of productivity. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I agree. It's been interesting asking people. And I'm really always curious uh, because a lot of it has been, you know, uh, I guess I'll call it OJT or on the job training. And like you said, you have a problem, so you overcome it. And by doing that, you develop your productivity. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's interesting too, that, you know, there are some ways to, to get out there and I think it's, uh, having training can be really helpful, but like you said, I think maybe the combination like you have is really, uh, the strongest way to do that. Yeah. It's also fun. You know, it's fun to be able to recognize for yourself something that may or may not be working and then to try different systems and to just always be asking other people because it allows you to be in conversation. And I always like to tell my clients, you know, (laughs) anything that I suggest is just that it's a suggestion. Like the answer lies within you. Like coaching is about finding it from within you. And so if I give a suggestion, it's just that. And then to always just keep the best and just leave the rest. And I find that that works well with any systems that we're trying out when it comes to our being more productive. Definitely, because this is probably not a secret to anyone listening. If it is, um, you know, I'll show you behind the scenes. Part of the reason I do this podcast is because I get to talk to so many interesting people and find out what they're doing to do things more productively, to organize, you know, how they arrange things. Um, and I've got my own ideas. I've got methods that work that I help other people with. Uh, but, you know, it's b- building these frameworks because the individual way things work is different for everyone. You know, I would never listen to someone who says you can only use Trello and Todoist. That's the only way to be productive. You know, run screaming from that person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely I agree with you. And I also think because um, just kind of what I know from Eric Maisel, who has written about like the creativity process, and he's, you know, building on the work of folks like Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, the author of Flow and Creativity. And, you know, if you think about his six stages of the creative process, so it starts with wishing, choosing, starting, working, completing, showing, any single one of those stages has its own anxieties and thereby its own solutions attached to it, which means what may have worked for you at one point to get you productive in one stage won't work in another. And so having that level of self-awareness about your own processes can then help you with the structures that you end up ultimately putting in place. Because I think a lot of people, we, you know, we think of levels of engagement, there's content, there's um, process, there's structure. And a lot of us stay at the content level. So we're about calendaring, scheduling, getting an app that works for us, but we're not really aware of our own process across various stages that we're in when we're implementing, turning, you know, something that we've been working on that's going to get launched. That's a different process. That's going to take different systems of productivity. And one of the things I've found with clients is when I can coach them around what happens at content level, what happens at, you know, the process level, then how is your structure going to change as a result when they're with new products and new services and doing new things in their business, they can look back and say, oh, yes, that level of self-awareness. I know where I'm at when I'm incubating. I know what I need to be doing there in order to actually take inspired next action. Wow. Yeah, that's good. I'm, I'm partially quiet because I'm taking notes. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a high compliment. Thanks, Adam. (laughs) 
yeah, no, that's awesome. Chase, uh, well, I'm curious, you know, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, kind of switching uh, from graduate school? I, I don't want to dive too deep into that, but I you can maybe let people know that it's a, a trying time, <laughs> or you can talk more about it if you want to, and just how you d- dealt with that transition and going into the academic world. And then again, uh, I think the next topic after that will definitely be the transition into coaching. I'm just interested in a little bit more as how you kind of developed yourself during those times. Sure. Um, So grad school was several years ago for me. I graduated from Harvard with my doctorate in 2004 and went straight into a tenure track assistant professorship position and also running the Texas Center for the Advancement of Literacy and Learning. So I had my first job out of grad school, the job I had thought I would have at the end of my career, which was running uh, TCAL at the time was the nation's largest literacy resource center. So we had an operating budget of well over a million. We were on grants. I had was managing a staff at 25. <laughs> so I transitioned from a life of study. And in some ways, grad school was amazing in ter- the kind of the leisure it afforded my mind to really focus on doing dissertation level work. I wrote a history on women's prison education at the Massachusetts Reformatory. So my work was in the archives. And for 10 months, I used to say I was in the archives and I was either dissertating or I was running. So those were the two things. I was working as if I was printing for a marathon that I never planned to run. But I felt as if I, when I was running, all I kept thinking about is I want to get back to the dissertation. And when I was dissertating, I thought I want to get back to the running. (laughs) So I, I know I set up that system for myself. And then once I became an assistant professor, all of the systems I had in place just fell apart. I moved within three weeks, um, taking on such a large, very privileged, like, oh my goodness, like, wow, did I, was I kissing the stars saying thank you? And so grateful for that position. But it definitely, there was nothing in my training up until that point that prepared me for the kind of lack of sleep that was going to come my way, the lack of being able to privilege my health. And wow, I mean, I was definitely running full speed ahead and, you know, running on very little, I would say. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't prepared for that. Um, real quickly, I'm uh, curious. Have you, did you? I forget when it came out, but did you then, or um, have you since read the work, uh, the book Deep Work by Kel Newport? Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with it. Yes. Okay, I was just wondering because it's an interesting uh, book to me because it was written by somebody who, you know, in the academic world, it's a bit different day to day than a lot of people doing a nine to five. Mm-hmm. And so I've always been interested in, in some people who have read it, their take and how they can apply it to their lives. And I'm just wondering if you took anything out of that and adapted it to your own, um, I guess, lifestyle or systems. Yeah, I mean, that's his work that just came, the paperback just came out this past year, right? We're not, I just want to make sure we're talking about the same thing. I'll have to, yeah, this is good. I can't remember. I read it. I thought it was longer than that, but if, yeah, maybe not. Um, there, I mean, there's like, you know, the so good they can't ignore you. And so, but I mean, I think for me, anything that kind of, you know, cause the, the subtitle of that is rules for focus success in a distracted world. And so, yes, anything that kind of can keep you focused in on doing the right things. And it also reminds me of, and I know you've had another guest who spoke about the book Essentialism, Mm -hmm. the Greg McGowan work, doing the right things in the right order at the right time and not letting the noise get to us. And so I think that that there's value in being able to dive deep 
and you know, appropriately approach our work in a way where we're doing it in meaningful ways that matter. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I just checked real quick while we were talking. You were right. I thought it came out like four or five years ago. It came out in 2016. So <laughs> 2016. Okay. All right. <laughs> My mental connection there to your time uh, was off by uh, several years. So uh, still was interested in, in that. It's it's a book that um, obviously had a strong impact on me and I'm always interested, especially with you. I was curious to see how you'd... Uh, taken that information. Let me see. So we talked about uh, deep work. And then to circle back to the conversation, you were talking about the rough transition. Um, I think this is an interesting one for anybody, you know, whether you're like you said, you're moving, you're changing jobs, it's a hugely disruptive time of your life. Um, Do you have any advice for people who are are going through this? Or how do you coach people to get through these really uh, rocky times while kind of maintaining um, their their levels, their energy, their productivity, whatever it is. Yeah, one of the first things I would advise is getting the appropriate level of support that you need. And so that might either be in, uh, you know, joining a group that you know, or it might be signing up and getting a coach. I know the one of the things that made a huge difference for me was the transition when I made from leaving academia to becoming a coach is I was enrolled with a coach in a program on helping me make a break for it. And it would have been great if I'd had something like that, you know, 10 years earlier in my, <laughs> in my career. Yeah. And I, I think also, too, it's like helping people to really clarify their direction so that they know, like, this is what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And also that'll help them get at the how so that, you know, strategizing your actions. And so when you know each morning the three most important things that I'm going to work on today to move this particular goal forward. And I think a lot of people, you know, we talk about in the business world and in the leadership world and in the entrepreneurial world, like the three MITs, most important things, right? And I think a lot of people forget that what important means is it's often the thing you've been procrastinating about the most because for some reason it feels very high stakes to you Mm. because either it's going to be judged or it's going to be rejected. So if you're building something, a business, or putting something out into the world that you fear might be rejected, you might then find yourself not getting the work done on it. And so I highly recommend in these periods of transitions, and again, I'm thinking about your particular audience here of online entrepreneurs, and the transition that happens you know, when they're kind of um, you know, new and, <laughs> and mm-hmm. early stages of work, and then later on when they're kind of fully immersed in it. And then when they're fully informed, their transitions the whole way through and the more support and the more help you can get. And sometimes that's a really great book. Sometimes it's a really great coach. Sometimes it's a really good accountability buddy. And I would say that people always know best what's going to work for them. Definitely. Well, then I'm also interested too. um, Do you think that, or was there a period where you were procrastinating making that transition to being a coach yourself? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and I, uh, there's a, there's a book decisive and there, I remember reading a passage in there about how you can stand at the edge too long before you jump into like a lake or a body of water below. And at some point the, the indecisiveness just really becomes detrimental. 
and I wanted to be fully prepared. I was not someone, and this says something along the lines of my, you know, my temperament and also my personality type, which I know are two separate things. Temperament's what's in my DNA and what I, w- I was born with, and then personality is kind of what I've learned along the way, right? And so, but to say that I wanted to be fully prepared, and that meant financially, because the big risk that I took, so I got a great financial advisor, a really great wealth management person behind me. I'd had someone before, and I transitioned and did the research to find a new person. And one reason I did that was because I wanted to take an unpaid leave of absence, an unpaid sabbatical from my university, because if I had decided I wanted to go into business on my own, which is ultimately what I decided, I didn't want to have to pay the university back my salary. And so I wanted to feel fully prepared in order that year of leave to know like, okay, I'm not going to be struggling to pay the light bills. I want to invest in this coaching program. I want to be able to work with this wonderful coach who I've heard about. I want to be able to put myself first here. And, you know, that those things became prioritized for me. And it did mean taking, and whether we use, you know, procrastination, I would say yes, or maybe endlessly delaying. (laughs) So it took me several years. I started my coach training, my first certification. I have more than one. I started my first one in 2012 and I went on my leave of absence in 2015. And that's when I opened the business, Inspiring the Creative Within actually became an LLC that year, January 1st of that year. And then it was January 1st of 2016 is when I actually left the university. So what, that's four years? Mm Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I've, I've definitely have been on that path and I'm really helpful at helping clients do it faster and also with probably less trepidation than I had. But I will tell you what made it so much easier was when I not only got a coach, but a coach who helped me on that very specific transition I was looking to make. So that making a break for it. Interesting. And I want to make a quick side note to anybody listening. Um, There's a really good podcast episode out there from the Tropical MBA, and it's called uh, What's the First Step to Becoming an Entrepreneur? And it talks about getting your finances in order. Um, Mm. And I think that that's really important to anyone who wants to do it. I did not do it this way. And looking back, this is the first piece of advice I would give anyone um, is to take a look at this and and understand where you're at financially and and how you can do it. Um, And I think, again, you have to walk the line between what are you comfortable with and and finally taking action. But um, yes, not always burning all the boats and storming the island is uh, maybe not always the best path. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, it really does depend on like, what do you value? Like, so if some people really value uh, stability and structure, and then other people really value fun and adventure and risk taking. And so I would coach those two people differently as they are starting their journey. But it's sometimes people are not having the level of self-awareness as to, well, I don't know what it is. Like, uh, I think I'm a risk taker. Like, I thought I was a risk taker. I'm not. (laughs) <laughs> but I, you know, I can see the gift in having, I love to have foresight, insight, and I think hindsight's twenty twenty. And so in order for me to have foresight and insight, I need to be planful in ways that might differ than someone else. Well, uh, that's interesting to know. And, and this kind of leads into something I definitely wanted to ask you about. Um, you know, what are ways that you help high performers to take their game up? You know, what do you see common themes or is it definitely, a, a, obviously there's individuality, but I'm curious, is there, a, you know, something you see that all high performers, you, you, they need help or anything like that? 
Well, I'll share a specific example with you. So I had a vice president who came to see me a few weeks ago, and this individual has incredible success. And so when you look at this person, you're looking at someone who has title, status, privilege, monetary success, um, family success, all of that. But this individual also feels that they have not reached their full potential. They feel as if what they're doing is not actually what they really, truly want to be doing. And of course, it relates to a business idea. They have another business idea that they've been grappling with. And so I often find that with high achievers, there's this level of, you know, unhappiness or dissatisfaction. And both of those might be too strong words. It depends on the individual I'm speaking with, but they have a little bit of guilt that they're not like, oh my God, like it's an embarrassment of riches. My life is incredible. Like, look at it from the outside looking in, it looks great. But -hmm. yet there's some unmet dream, something there that's tugging at them and they need the coaching and they need the permission to outperform at that. And so that's why I say I help people outperform at home, work, and in the world. Because sometimes it's people who, you know, like I have an academic who I'm coaching right now, and he has tremendous success in terms of his position at the university. He's a faculty and administrator. He wants larger impact in the world. And he wants to know about how to go about doing that. Is it through a podcast? Is it through a blog? His books, he feels, have very small impact, although that they're read by people in his field. So mm-hmm. is it writing a mainstream book? And all of those things are things you know you can think about all you want, but you might not take action on them. But coaching allows you to actually get at, you know we, we call it the four meta questions, right? So it's, where are you now? Where do you want to be? What's stopping you? And how do we get you there? And so I find with high achievers, focusing around those four areas and domains helps them to then be able to move forward and to be able to perform in ways that isn't just about success. It's not just about checking off boxes, but it's about being able to reach their fullest potential. Yeah, which has got to be a lot of self-discovery as well, Mm -hmm. I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes it's self-discovery in ways that it's bringing, you know, the unconscious to the conscious. And sometimes it's about self-awareness about like, oh, I know that about myself, but how come I don't use it? Mm. Well, I looked at the time and we're definitely getting close. I've got a just a couple more questions I can get in here and I'm going to bring it back a little bit more concrete uh, because one, I'm interested in this, and two, I know everyone else is, and people just like hearing about this type of stuff. So um, if you can let us know, what tools do you find yourself using regularly for organization or, or productivity, whether it's journals or apps or, or whatever? What, what's your some of your go-tos? Well, I'm a combination of pen to paper gal and digits to keyboard. And so I, I know you use best self and I like product productivity planner personally. And, you know, what I love about productivity planner is it does kind of set things into most important secondary tertiary tasks and weekly reviews and all of those things that we, you know, research indicates are, are helpful for productivity. But one of the things I love about it is just this little simple thing. It has on the bottom of each page, a productivity scale. So how productive did you feel today from mm-hmm. zero? to 10, like zero being not productive, 10 being super productive. And what happened as a result? And I have to say that one of the things I find for myself and with my clients is we'll often give ourselves low level of productivity. But if you ask how busy we were (laughs) and how much we got done on the, the list, it's like sometimes we didn't get anything done. But we feel like, oh my God, I couldn't have done a single thing else today. It's not like I was 
binging on something on Netflix. I don't even have Netflix. So, you know, but I don't feel like I was productive. And so just having that little scale there helps me. And they also publish, it's um, Intelligent Change uh, publishes that. And they do a five minute journal and they say it's the journaling for those who don't like journals. Now I love to journal, but it's like, you know, five great things that I'm, things that I'm grateful for. And I think of gratitude in terms of things that I'm actually relieved about. So it's the six loads of laundry got done. (laughs) I'm grateful for it. And it's then like three amazing things that happened today. And I love thinking about that because once I change my mindset around my to-do list, instead of it's, I, you know, I have to do this. I have to write this article. I have to prepare for this interview. It's, I moved it from, I get to, I want to, I love to. And so that for me, those resources like that helped me actually turn things into that. And then um, just for apps, like, you know, do list app with the, I love the today and the tomorrow and the life lists all being in one space for me. So what movies I want to see, what quotes I love, what books hmm. and unroll me changed my life and my mother's life. <laughs> so my mom, technologically, she, um, when my father passed, she inherited my dad's email because they'd always just had the same account, which shows you generation, generationally where they're from yeah. and being able to use unroll me in order to help with her subscriptions and my own subscriptions does get me to, I have several different uh, email accounts, three for my business alone. And I'm at, you know, near zero with all, and some I'm zero and others I'm near zero. So I find that really great. And then one that I just um, been telling people more and more about, especially my entrepreneurs who I coach, those who are in your world um, of podcasting or interested in it. A lot of them have a a dream, but it's not yet a reality. And that's something like repurpose.io, which takes your podcast and then automatically publishes it in video format on YouTube or takes your Facebook live. So I have some coaches I work with who they're doing Facebook lives and it automates it and puts it right on YouTube. And so I, I think those sorts of resources and things are very helpful. And of course I meditate twice a day and that helps a lot. And I walk almost daily. So, and I practice something called niche calm karma meditation, which I love because it's union attained by action, hardly taken. And so (laughs) I love something where it's like, Oh, I this is going to have tremendous value and it's going to change, change me and change how I think with any action hardly taken. So, yeah, well, I, I like the exercise tip and I think um, I'll probably start adding that in. That's a really good question. I'm a huge believer in it. I'm a runner uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, I wasn't always this way. And I look back and, and I think, wow, you know, just adding a little bit of exercise, you don't have to be an, an athlete. I'm using my air quotes for everyone who can't see me, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, but just getting out and being active has such a huge impact uh, just on your day to day, hour to hour feelings. Yes, Definitely. Cool. And also I like a uh, shameless plug for repurpose.io for my end too. I just started using it. And so now you can listen to the podcast on YouTube that uh, saved a lot of time for anyone out there who's looking to repurpose information and get content out there because people don't all consume at the same place at the same way. That's really helpful. So good one there too, Dominique. Yeah. Especially for those online entrepreneurs who are going to like, you know, change different avenues and want different ways to market or grow their business to be able to think of things to repurpose. You know, I think that's a great one for them. Definitely. Well, I'm, I'm interested. I know we're going a little long. Is it okay if we go for like two or three more minutes? Absolutely. Your time is mine. Awesome. All right. I'm curious, what, what's a daily routine uh, or what does your kind of day look like in terms of a framework? What are the things you make sure that you do on a day-to-day basis? 
Yeah, I call them my non-negotiables because often when clients come to me and they're struggling with getting something done and they feel like, oh, I never get I never get to what I want to. I'm like, well, what's non-negotiable? Like, what's something you have to do every day? And so a few of my non-negotiables are things like, and some of these might, I like to say I'm like, uh, <laughs> I like to say I'm woo light. So some of these might, people might be like, what? So one thing, I start my day with oil pulling. And oil pulling is, you know, an Ayurvedic principle of and practice of putting, I use coconut oil in my mouth and swish it around for 15 minutes. It's supposed to detoxify. It's supposed to make, you know, you feel better. It's supposed to help with skin, hair, nails. I don't know if it does any of that. I haven't tracked it. Um, but it really does make my days start in a way where I feel like I'm doing something that already medicinally, medically is helpful because for years I didn't do that. And I also, you know, I start with yoga. I start with affirmations. I have an app that's an affirmations app. And they say, if you say affirmations and you record yourself saying them, so this one allows you to record them out loud and listen it back throughout the day, that's supposed to help with your neural pathways actually believe the positive self-talk because we're, we have 60,000 thoughts a day and apparently something like 80% are negative. So anything I can do to already help that inner voice become my inner mentor. And um, I also, I do try to walk. I'm an avid walker, but I'm not just like a 30 minute walker. I try to do like a 10 K a day. <laughs> so, so, and I, and I live in Texas. So um, this summer has not been that great because it's been it's been blistering hot and that just, you know, makes it a little harder. But I'm just someone who like I will build my days around having 90 minutes to three hours sometimes to be able to walk because I use voice recorders and Rev.com allows you they have an app and you can be recording so I can record as I walk. I mean, I have clients who write books this way. They just record it using Rev and then send it to Rev and Rev transcribes it for them. So that Oh man, here's a good one you'll like then and hopefully anyone else who's listening who wants to do transcription, check out otter.ai. Oh, okay. It's like the minimum otter and they're giving like I don't know if they're going to keep doing this, but they've got 600 minutes free per month and it's amazing and it real time transcribes. Oh, so, yeah, check that out. That's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I think anything that helps you to capture ideas and to get things down, I mean, I think all of that is incredibly, incredibly helpful. And I mean, I have little things that I do throughout the day. I'm a big believer in like, if I ever see like 1111 or 111 to stop, notice what I'm thinking or anytime like 1212, 10, 10, 4, 4, like on a clock to stop. What am I thinking? What am I working on? And is it what I want to be working on? Is it going to move me forward in my goals and my tasks? So having very mindful and paying attention to what's going on throughout my day helps a lot with my productivity. Interesting. And is that just a is that just a way that you use so when you see those because it's so easy to recognize just a way to pull yourself out of what you're doing and make sure you're kind of cognizant of what's actually what you're actually doing? Yep. Make sure I use it for two things. One to make sure I'm on on task. Um, and also on, on track with to what I had said I wanted to do and set out to do that day. And also to just check and see what am I thinking about? Am I thinking about thoughts that are in the realm of like, I can do this and I've got this support is all around me. Like my vision is clear. I just want to make sure that I'm always living in a space where I feel highly positive because I'm, I'm one of those coaches, and I think there are a lot of coaches out there that believe that the work that we do in order to help other people, we ourselves need to be pretty clear vessels. 
And so that means being cognizant. Interesting. I think that's a really good idea. Well, it is time for the last question. And I love asking this. This is one of my favorite questions. Um, But what book do you recommend the most to people? Okay. So I love that you asked this question of all of your guests. Of course, I brainstormed, I think, 11 books. And and I will not share all of them. (laughs) You can send it to me offline or on the side and I'd still love to see it. So, but yes. And and of course, this question made me go back and I reread like all your show notes to be like, oh, which ones do I need to read still? And so I recommend that. I think this is a great question that you asked. Um, The first one that I recommend to folks is The Exquisite Risk, Daring to Live an Authentic Life by Mark Nepo. And he writes it in lyrical prose. So if you're not into lyrical prose, this isn't the book for you. But I love this book because I believe in the psychological psychological concept of priming the pump. So what we put in before we sit down to write, before we sit down to create, um, it makes a difference. So, you know, if you're reading things that are upsetting you or reading bad writing, then that's what you're going to end up priming your pump with. So I read his books. He's a poet and philosopher. And that particular book is just so gorgeously written. So I highly recommend it to lots of my clients and to lots of folks. And then, of course, you know, a lot of my clients don't have systems in place to actually get things done. So obviously, David Allen's seminal 2001 book, Getting Things Done, or Getting yeah, getting Things Done, The Art of Stress-Free Productivity. And now I'm recommending to people the new one that just came out in July, Getting Things Done for Teens, Take Control of Your Life in a Distracting World, even if they don't have teenagers. Because I think there are things in that book that really help with the GTD if you, you know, and if that's something you, you're like, no, I don't like that method, then fine. But again, I always say, you know, take the best and leave the rest. And I think that there are little helpful nuggets in there. So that's one that I've been recommending recently. And that one specifically around productivity. Good deal. All right. Well, I will definitely have to check out the exquisite risk. I have not heard of that. I'm interested to see. I'm not sure, to be honest, if um, the writing style is going to work, but I will uh, check it out. I, I highly Uh, I love looking into new books. It's always fun to see what we can pull out like you are taking. Take the best and leave the rest. Yes. Yeah. It's just beautifully written in my personal opinion. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dominique, for a great interview. Uh, I know that the audience and all the listeners have gotten a lot out of this great info. This has been a lot. I really appreciate you sharing. Let us kind of dive deep into this. And thank you so much for your time. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for um, for asking me. Can I share with folks where they can connect with me? Yo, definitely. I was about to ask you, yeah, where can people go, what, what you're working on, and anything else you'd like to share? Sure. So for your audience, I want to make sure that they know that they can find me at dominiclup.com and clup is spelled C-H-L-U-P. And also, um, I want to gift anyone who just wants to get on the phone with me to learn either more about coaching or more about what I do. I know this was just the start of the conversation. So if anyone wants to continue talking, I'm more than happy to do that. And folks can also connect with me on LinkedIn. Cool. That is amazing. Um, Highly suggest you all take her up on that. That is a heck of an offer. So thank you again. Really appreciate it. And I guarantee you we'll be talking to you again. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much, Adam. I really appreciate it. And thanks to you for listening to this podcast episode today. It can be really beneficial to hear about how others approach productivity, organization, and optimizing their business and life. And if you're interested in taking your productivity and efficiency up a few notches, head to www.productivity.academy start. There, you'll find my Productivity Academy guidebook, which I recommend for all listeners who want to improve their lives and know that there are better ways to getting where they want to go. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.